Impress your friends, amaze your coworkers, make your family proud. Here's what you need to know. Fourth quarter of the program begins right now here on Sports Radio 810 WHB, your home of Super Bowl 58, your home of the National Football League, as we will be headed out next week to uh, Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, giving you wall-to-wall coverage from there. Sam McDowell will be out there as well. We'll catch up with him uh, as we uh, head out to uh, the city of Lost Wages. <laughs> I get it. See what I did there? I did. You like that? I, I will. Think, I will retire up on Vegas. I, I think. I think you should. I think you should be quite impressed by that. <laughs> uh, we went out there whenever it was. Oh five. Oh six. And uh, one hundred and forty dollars in the slots. That didn't play again. Yeah, you were I impressive. Will retire up. One of the great gamblers of oh, all yeah. time, Curtis Siebold. Uh, on the plus side. Sweet, slick Willie High Rolla, they call me. Yeah. Uh, our uh, Need to Know is brought to you by Joslin's Jewelry. Gary Joslin and his staff, absolutely fantastic. Joslin'sJewelry.com. 40-plus years in business. Happy to do repairs and the best selection of engagement rings. More than a 1,000 to choose from. Go where I go for all my jewelry. Uh, just uh, made uh, my wife very happy this past summer with uh, with a beautiful necklace. It was stunning. Uh, great reviews from all our friends. You can get that kind of appreciation as well. It's at Joslin's Jewelry. Uh, Joslin'sJewelry.com 95th and Antioch to see them in person. Uh, let's talk a little basketball. Bill Self uh, talking. This was from the Big 12 conference call? This, or this is uh, his presser. His presser. Okay. From uh, his presser talking about the uh, loss to Iowa State. Wasn't that upset with the way his team played in Ames? We actually did, did play you know, fairly well. Obviously, we played about as well as you could ever expect to play. You know, we scored 1.44 points per possession second half against arguably one of the very best defensive teams in the country in their building. So uh, the, the, the biggest thing was we didn't uh, stop them at the end of the shot clock. They, they scored uh, 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 a very high percentage of their points in the last five seconds of the shot clock meeting. They just jumped up and made some shots, and we got to do a better job finishing possessions. But uh, I wasn't discouraged by any stretch leaving out of there. I thought that was better. We played better. Uh, uh, you know, it didn't equate to a, a victory, a win, but but it was certainly uh, better than what we than, than what we've done uh, many times this year when we got W's. We'll talk to uh, Gary Parrish about this coming up in the five o'clock hour. Our college basketball insider, but Iowa State's no joke. Nope, that is a salty bunch. I mean, TJ yeah. Osberger. I mean, a guy. That really people are kind of like, huh? They're hiring the Vegas coach? He hadn't done that much. And he's about to go three for three on NCAA tournaments his first three years there at Iowa State. I mean, he's the real deal. He's getting dudes. KU has had multiple wins this year in which they afterwards went down in Ken Palm. This is actually one to give you an idea of how good K-State is thought of, or K- Iowa State. Iowa State yeah. Iowa State's thought of, particularly in the analytics world, KU actually went up from 19th to 17th in Ken Palm after the loss in Ames. Uh, let's hear uh, one more from uh, Bill Self. Uh, this is uh, him talking about the uh, conference. Everybody slobbers all over the Big 12, and for good reasons. He was asked if he's seen a tougher conference than the Big 12 this year. I haven't. I, I think the way I think we had eight teams ranked today. Is that right? And, and uh, 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 seven of our last 11 games are against ranked opponents as of this week. So, yeah, it's hard. We said that all along. I mean, that shouldn't surprise you guys. Uh, 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 so, so uh, yeah, it's a hard league, and, and certainly uh, 
also challenges of, of uh, uh, Saturday, Monday, three more times, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So, you know, uh, uh, but yeah, it, it's a it's, it's a monster league, and hopefully, one that will prepare everybody in the league for postseason. It's very good, but we were looking through the non-cons. There's a lot of these kids mm-hmm. that don't have a lot of meat on it. I mean, they're they're getting yeah. a kiss from the strength of the non-con of Kansas and playing Kansas and getting that to add to their strength of schedule. We'll see where this schedule stacks up late. We'll talk about it with Gary Parrish, like I said, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour at Kansas, hosting Oklahoma State tonight at uh, the Fog, uh, 8 o'clock on ESPN and, of course, right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB, the Jayhawks, 15.5-point favorites. K-State is a 2.5-point favorite. They're on ESPN plus big game for the cats couple of losses to ranked teams they got another ranked team coming in uh they are two and a half point favorites against the oklahoma sooners um i believe ken palm's got ou winning this game but by a slight margin so again unranked team favored at home against ranked team that's in effect again uh tonight with this one again seven o'clock on espn plus jerome tang said he's still confident in his team despite the back-to-back losses Oh, they're, they're tough and gritty, you know. I mean, you know, um, 11 of the 14 teams in the Big 12 have lost back-to-back road games. And six of those 11 played back-to-back road games and lost both. And so, you know, what just happened, we just played two ranked teams on their home court. Uh, they're probably both two top 10 teams in the country and lost a close one at Iowa State and then uh, ran into a buzzsaw. Um and so we move on. But we got a tough, gritty group who they care about each other. They care about this uh, program. They care about winning. And um, we're still on track to do everything we want to do. Okay. Uh, I think this is a big one. You need to get this one. This yeah. is a game. You're at home. You need to try to grab this one. Yeah. So a uh, big one for the Cats tonight, 7 o'clock ESPN. They didn't just lose. They got their doors blown yeah. out by, off by Houston. And I think Houston's you want to come back and team. play well, yes. yes. You don't want to have that kind of taste in your mouth. Uh, NFL News, Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator for the Lions, is opting to stay with the Lions. Uh, he is going to uh, walk away from the Commanders and Seahawks, not going to pursue either one of those jobs. That's according to Adam Schefter. Uh, teams balked at Johnson's asking price to be the head coach. You want to come coach these teams? Okay. Like, um, you're going to pay me. Ah, we're not down with that. Okay. I'm staying where I'm at. Make try, good, try it again the next cycle. I can get a big old fat raise as a coordinator here. I'll stay here. Uh, I wonder if, it's, if it was the price to coach one of those two teams. Maybe you thinking, uh, if I'm going to go there, I'm going to need this amount. Maybe he'll oh, yeah. wait, stay, t- make what he's making, and get a better shot the next time. Steelers are expected to hire Arthur Smith, former Falcons coach, as their offensive coordinator. He's 21-30 and 30, uh, in his time with the Atlanta Falcons, so they have a new offensive coordinator. He's quite effective with the Tennessee Titans. We'll see if that carries over to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Royals signed Adam Frazier the other day. Uh, they introduced him in a Zoom conference. Uh, Adam Frazier uh, says he's admired KC from afar. You kind of have an idea. You, there's a brand of baseball that Kansas City's been playing the last, you know, five or six years. That's tough. It's what you know. The past couple of years, you've had some arms get go down early, so you lose a few more games than you'd like to, or projected to, whatever you want to call it. But um, you know, when you play the game the right way, they're, they're always running hard. They're still in bases. Um, doing the fundamentals the right way, you, you know. Um, around guys around the league, they talk. You, you can see, you see highlights and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, like I mentioned before, the additions that were already made, I think that's going to put the team in a great spot to to be in a game every night. 
Left-handed bat, uh, used primarily as a second uh, baseman and an outfielder, probably left, a little bit of center, but I think it's second. And uh, left field, he signs for one year, $4.5 million, a mutual $8.5 million option for 2025. The Royals trading Samad Taylor to the Mariners today for cash considerations to make room on the 40-man roster. Samad Taylor came over in the deal with the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Uh, who did they send up there? Wasn't that Witt? Yeah. Yeah, no, right. Whit Merrifield. So uh, getting closer to closing the book on the Whit Merrifield trade. Uh, J.J. Piccolo uh, today talking about the addition and talking about where he's going to play. Says even though Frazier will play some second base, last year's starting second baseman Michael Massey, not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, Michael Michael needs to be a big part of our team, you know, and, and we shared that with Adam last week. Um, you know, part you got. I think you got to keep in mind, like the, we were focusing on another left-handed bat, so Michael Massey not being on his team defeats that purpose. So having five guys that are left-handed was important to us. So there, there's a way to to make this all work. And again, the season's going to bring a lot of bumps in the road, you know, and the, the big one that I think about is just injury. You know, you, you lose somebody for a month. Well, that month may be the difference in you getting in the playoffs or not. Yeah. And, you know, they get more depth. He's got flexibility. This does look more like a Rays roster. We talked to uh, Jeff Passan last night on our Kaufman Corner podcast about it. And, you know, he agreed, yeah, they're better, and Royals fans should be excited. He still says they're not winning the World Series. But I think there's an element of like, oh, is it, you know, is every move the perfect move? Is every move? Listen, did they get better? And once they've got better, then they can head out and try to get better off that. When you try to get better after getting better, you're doubly better. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's got to start somewhere. Right. And yes. not everybody's just always willing to come sign with you and your club. So uh, settle down. Let's get to spring training and let's see what this team looks like. Let's see what Gary Parrish has got to say about college basketball. He's next. Welcome back. You're in the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Soren Petro with you as we talk some college basketball. It's time to get to the best in the business. Gary Parrish, uh, CBS Sports. He's brought to you by our friends at Joslin's Jewelry. The best in the business, bringing you the best in the business. Joslin's Jewelry, 40-plus years locally owned and operated. Happy to be your mom-and-pop jewelry store, giving you the customer service that you want, the attention to detail, the knowledge, the know-how. Listen, that's what they do. Some of the folks on Gary's staff have been working for him for over 30 years. You're getting the very best, not someone who's been in the jewelry business for a couple of weeks at those uh, big box stores at the mall. Nope, you're getting absolute uh, experts when it comes to a Jocelyn's Jewelry. And with Valentine's Day right around the corner, who else would you rather talk to if you're getting an engagement ring? Remember, they've got more than 1,000 to choose from. It's Jocelyn's Jewelry. Online at joslinsjewelry.com. See them in person at 95th and Antioch. The only place to go uh, for your Valentine's gifts. Uh, let's talk to Gary Parrish. Gary, how are you, my friend? Wonderful. How are you? Uh, doing well. Uh, you know, uh, wishing, and I'm going to ask this real quick and we'll get it out of the way. It was my um, kicker last night that we finished with. As the Chiefs play deeper, and I realize there are many people who their season ended back on like January 7th or 8th, and so they probably dove all the way into college basketball. But as we have been spoiled with four trips to the Super Bowl in five years, I feel bad that we don't really dive in as far as topics on the show, we love talking to you. We we did, and thank God for you uh, to serve our, our college basketball junkies. But the Chiefs just—they cannibalize everything. They just well, eat everything in their way. Why not college basketball as a second semester sport? Are they? Is there any talk of that happening? 
There is all, I don't want to say there's always been talk of it happening, but there has for a while been talk of it happening. John Calipari, I believe, has been a pretty public uh, proponent of this. Um, Every day, I'll make this as simple as I can make it. Every day you push the start of a college basketball season back is an extra day you get outside of football shadow. Every day. I would 100% make it a one-semester sport in the second semester because here's the truth. You guys are in a market that cares deeply about college basketball. Uh, my hometown of Memphis is a market like that as well. The Louisville market is like that. The Indianapolis market is like that. Um, but but most markets right now are still very much focused um, on 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 football. And if you were trying to build the sports basketball and make it as big as it could possibly be and get as many eyeballs as you can get on it as often as possible, every day you've got a schedule of games that aren't overshadowed by football games is a good day for the sport. I am a big believer that it should happen. I do think it it actually might happen someday, but I don't know that I can honestly tell you we're like within five years of that or anything like that. Just just uh, taking a shot. Tell me what what is the hurdle? Like I, I remember when we talked about you know we finally got a championship game. We said let's go to a playoffs. Let's go to sixteen teams. Well, we finally got four, and we finally got you know then we're, now we're going to get twelve. I think one day we'll have a sixteen team playoff in college football. And along the way, it was the money that's being made by the bowl games, and they've had to try to find a way to work them in. That's not here. There are no bowl games to try to figure out. That's not in the way. You know, it's usually if you follow the money, you'll find the answer. I I don't. To me, there's nothing but the potential to stand alone on the stage for longer, which theoretically should make you more valuable. Um, I, I can't find the money guy that's in the way, the way it was obvious yeah. with football. There is not a single thing that I have identified or someone else has identified for me that would be a acceptable reason for GP, this is why we can't do this. This is why it can never be a one-semester sport. Because the things you will hear is, well, college basketball is all about March Madness. Okay, well, let's just have May Madness instead exactly. then. Like, whatever. It'll be fine. If you if you take a, that three-week tournament and put it in any month, we're going to have fun with it. All right? So I know we're used to March Madness, but it can be May Madness and it'll be just as fun. Yeah. But that is something people will say. Um you hear people say you push the season back that far, you know, does it impact the NBA draft? How do you deal with all that? And to that, I would just say the NBA doesn't worry about you. You shouldn't be worried about the NBA. Yes. Like do what's best for college basketball with, with no regard for the NBA or at least very little regard. There's some thought with, you know, television networks control a lot of this. I can tell you as an employee of CBS, they really like going straight from the final four national championship game to the masters the following week. That would obviously disrupt that. Um, but everything I've said so far, and we could keep talking about this for 20 minutes, everything I would say, I think you would go, yeah, but I don't think that should be the reason we don't do it. Or I don't see why that makes it impossible to do it. The biggest reason it won't get done soon and maybe won't get done for a long time is because people in college athletics are so often just set in their ways. And we end up talking about things 20 years before they ever actually happen. How long did we talk about what name, image, and likeness might look like before we actually got a glimpse of what it actually looks like? Years and years and years and years, and this will be something similar. But just to, to circle back to your initial point, 
I'm with you. I think most smart people are with you. This sport would be better if it started in January. Yeah, and we'll see if it ends up happening. We're talking uh, to Gary Parrish here in the uh, program. Is the Big 12 really this good? I mean, it gets slobbered on, and it's earned that with with success, with championships of late, Kansas, uh, Baylor, Texas Tech playing for it, all all in recent. They've got tournament success to do it. But, you know, I just – you know, and by the way, he's a classmate of mine at Syracuse, uh, Rich Hollenberg. I uh, call him the Baylor and TCU game. I'm a big fan. Oh, of I love Rich. Rich is a yeah. great guy. Tell him I said hello if you see him. Yeah. Um, you know, but he, he's great. But him and uh, the former UCLA Bruin, anyway, uh, were calling the game of TCU and Baylor. And just time and time again, it was said, the best conference in America, the best conference in America, the best conference in America. Listen, I like that. I mean, I went to Syracuse, but I grew up in Big 12 country, so I very much root for the Big 12 as a league. And so that's great to hear. But other than Kansas, who did some real damage in the non-com, which you've talked about with their resume, beating Connecticut, beating Tennessee, beating, forgetting one other uh, big win that they had in the non-con, Kentucky, uh, you know, right. all – top six uh, poll teams, or top ten at least. Uh, you know, other than them, who did any lifting in the non-con? Why is this league grade so high? Because the strength of schedules aren't there? Like, is it reputation, and aren't the analytics supposed to factor out reputation? Well, I, I, I do believe it factors out reputation, but they don't factor out history. Like, if you are – a Ken Palm subscriber right now, and Ken Pomeroy would tell you this, and you are looking at his rankings right now, they are still influenced by stuff that happened last year right? and the year before and the year before and the year before and the year before. There is five years of data still influencing the up-to-this-minute Ken Palm numbers, and that doesn't go away for, like, another few weeks. I think, I think Ken actually... I want to say it's a number. Is when a team hits a certain number of games, then all of their prior season data is no longer a part of the deal. It's all then focused on right. just this season. But but we're not it's January 30th and we're not there yet. So to your point, it's not so much about reputation, but I, I guess this is the simplest way to say it. At Kinpom and in most of these other metrics. If you have been good, it sets you up to continue to be good. It sort of feeds into the next season and the next season and the next season. So I, I think this would probably be the, the accurate way to put it. The Big 12 is the best league in the country. But the gap between it and whatever you want to consider the second best league, whether it's the Big East or the SEC or the Big 10, it's not as big as what it might seem in the computers right now because it is being influenced by prior seasons, and the Big 12's prior seasons are better than anybody else's. Yeah, that makes sense because, like, you know, we can't figure out if Kansas is the team that handled business early like that. Uh, and and now they're underachieving. They got fat and happy. And we've talked about their issues for players and, and, you know, really looking for that fifth guy and, and no bench and, and all those things. But, like, it is kind of odd that they're, they're having troubles in the league after they were so good earlier. Did they just grossly overachieve against those teams early on? And I think a lot of the league's value now, based on this season, is on Kansas' schedule. Like I said, I mean, Iowa State's non-con. They've done some damage now once they've gotten to the Big 12. But their non-con's nothing. I mean, we, we went through a whole bunch of them. There's not much meat on the bone for anybody's non-con, which maybe to their coach's credit, 
This is the team that needs that. They need to build the confidence. They've, they've all done it right. for, cause there's an art. We've talked about it to, to scheduling, but, uh, man, on Kansas, are they really good or do they just overachieve early? I think they're good. I don't think they are as currently constructed as good as they looked early in the season. Like, I know they've got the 69-60 neutral court victory over Tennessee. If they played Tennessee on that exact same court tonight, they would be an underdog in that game. And Tennessee now looks like a better basketball team than Kansas, even though we watched those two teams play uh, in in uh, November and Kansas won the game, you know, by nine points. So I do think the problem is previously we had talked about a – finding a fifth guy. Now they might have found the fifth guy, but now they have no bench. I mean, they got nothing off the bench this past weekend. I think it was 75 points, 73 from the starters, two from the bench. I, I, I with can because I, I had this thought, obviously every week I know I'm talking to you on Tuesday and I start to think about, you know, some of the points I want to make and some of the things you might ask me. And I just remembered that it was two years ago, come on every week. And you and I both were like, it was felt like a similar conversation. Yes. Not, maybe we're talking about something else as opposed to depth and something else as, as opposed to the bench. But it was like, are we sure they're all good? And like, you know, it's like they just lost it. I actually looked it up. January 30th uh, of 2022, they were coming off of a loss at home by 18 points to Kentucky. And they were 17 and three. 17 and three coming off an 18 point loss to Kentucky. And we were having conversations like, like, what's going on? And then they won the national championship. All right. So now here we are. They're not 17 and three right now, but you know what they are? 16 and four. Right. They're like in the same range. The computer numbers are better at this point in 22 than they are in 24. The record was better. I think the team was better. But what I'm trying to illustrate is there are some real flaws with this team. The bench being the most obvious one. Um, you know, are, are do they have the stuff to to actually go win six games in a bracket? I'm I'm not sure, honestly, but I will never ever completely just. I don't think I'm capable of getting to a point where I say no, nope, no chance. I just don't like if you tell me right now I got to pick five the five best teams in the country. I don't think I would pick Kansas. But if you told me right now I've got to pick five teams that I think could win the national championship, and if one of them do it, it's forty million dollars straight into my bank. I would put Kansas on the list just because I'm not going to rule them out. Right, yeah, and you're not going to rule out Bill Self and and his ability right. to do things. Uh, T.J. Otzelberger, what, what, where is he? I mean, this is an excellent team. He handled business. I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've been dinging their non-con schedule, and I and I think that's fair. But they're making it happen uh, here in the Big Twelve. Uh, it was kind of a puzzling hire because he hadn't really had great success at UNLV. And I remember the UNLV folks thought he was better than what his record was, that he was building something at Vegas. So they, they were sad to see him go. Um, you know, and then they, everyone rallies around the new guy and that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it hadn't really taken off yet, but he clearly has some really good coaching chops. What is it? What's his key to success? Is he, is, you know, and the recruiting, what's his approach? What's his style? You know, what, what, what do you like about what he does and why he's successful? Well, first, I've known TJ for, I mean, a long time. How about this? When I first met TJ Osselberger, you know what he was doing? He was working for the Pump Brothers out in L.A. Yeah. Like, like, and run. like organizing. Yeah, he yeah. was he was working with Pump and Run and like organizing their ticket business. And <laughs> he was like, he was one of those guys. Yeah. And he tells a story, TJ does. 
he said that, um, you know, he was just trying to break into the business. Every coach has a story like this. And, you know, they're trying to break into the business. They're trying to get to know people and trying to meet people. And TJ told me at one point he called either Dana or David Pump. I can't remember which one, but he got in touch with him at some point. And he was like, hey, listen, here's who I am. Here's what I do. You and I have mutual friends. I want to work with you guys. And I just wanted to see if there's any opportunity. And one of the pumps said, uh, TJ, sure. I tell you what, we got a, we got a party at the Final Four on that uh, Friday night. Come to the party and and then we'll talk there. And I remember this. I don't know why I remember this. But one of the pumps, uh, the TJ's natural follow-up question was, uh, cool, do I need a ticket? How do I get in? And they said, if you are worthy of being hired by us, you'll figure out how to get in. Nice. They almost like wanted to see, like, can, can you navigate your way into this thing and put yourself right in front of me? Because if you can't, you ain't the type of person. The type of person I want to hire is somebody who figure out how to get into this space. <laughs> and so that's when I first met TJ. Then, of course, he was a – assistant at Iowa State um, for multiple coaches. And that's how he ended up the Iowa State coach. He was there. And he understood, you know, he worked for uh, most famously Fred Hoiberg, but even was there uh, with Greg McDermott. And then uh, uh, there with, uh, oh, help me, coach at Iowa State. Now he's back at Murray State. Uh, C-Prome. C-Prome, yes. Yeah, Yeah, so TJ worked for three different Iowa State coaches at Iowa State. He had a tight relationship with the athletic director. And so you're exactly right. When you looked at his record at UNLV, you're like, this is who Iowa State's hiring? But it was all about relationships, and they just had a sense that this guy knows how to do this job. He's seen what it looks like when it's going well. He can get us back to that place. And he's done it. Like, you know, he's this is year three. He's been to two NCAA tournaments in the first two years, made the Sweet 16 in year one. You're right. Like, they had strong computer numbers early this season, not really the resume to, to match it. But now they're starting to get the resume to match it. I've got Iowa State in the top ten. That's where they belong right now. Yeah, they, they, they look like a, a, a pretty fierce team uh, with, with the way they're playing here of late. And, um, you know, is, is we had a – I don't want to call it. We had a conversation that happened at the end of the game between K-State and Iowa State. By the way, another very entertaining game. I mentioned the Baylor-TCU game was great. But another very entertaining game where K-State maybe showed more fight than certainly the odds makers thought they were going to that night. Uh, and at the end, an exchange. I don't know if you saw this and if you've heard about this, T.J. Otzelberger and, and Jerome Tang. And Jerome Tang pointing up towards the stands. And everyone's like, well, what was this? And some people were speculating that things were being said to the team or the coach. And now the popular opinion is that uh, Jerome Tang was pointing was was saying that somebody was filming their timeouts, right? We're going Jim Harbaugh here on what's going on. I will say this. We don't need to, uh, you know, go through the whole Jim Harbaugh thing. I find that whole thing laughable because, you know, uh, Eli Drinkwitz has been holding up things to block the signals for like four years. Everybody in coaching, college football coaching has been stealing. Like, I don't get why that was such a big deal because it's been going on everywhere. But fine, Jim Harbaugh got made an example of it. And whatever his role was, and I don't even care what his role was, right? Is this a thing and is it known? Before this blows up somewhere, I'm asking you, you're in touch Uh with everybody. Does everybody know that there's somebody in the stands? Herm Edwards told me when Spygate came on with the Patriots, everyone's known that when you go to New England that they're taping your stuff. Right. Okay. Everyone says that after the fact. Call your shot. Is everybody filming everybody in the huddles and, and reverse engineering things and figuring it out for their second go round and whatnot? Or is this the first you've ever heard of something like this? I have never heard of somebody filming a huddle 
in a college basketball game. I'm not saying it's never been done. I'm just saying I've never heard of that. And I think it's much less of a deal in basketball because you watch any NBA, college, it doesn't matter. Point guard's coming down, fist, and the other team's like, they know exactly what's coming. Right. You know each other's plays. Um, there is a famous story with Rajon Rondo, who I gather was in the news earlier today for not great reasons, but he would um, – he knew everybody's plays, like everybody's plays, so well that sometimes an opposing player would call out a fake play. They'd be like, I don't know, um, Petro, Petro. And Rondo would be like, I know you don't have a play. That, I know that's not a play. I know I know that's not something you do. And so you're not yeah. – so, like, in basketball, you kind of know anyway. And um, it's not nearly as complex as football, I, I guess. It's, you know, it, it there's more to it, but often it's, you know, it's a ball screen and now we're playing. So it's not, it's not as big of a deal, but I, I, I can see why you might in a heightened state be like, I think they're filming our huddle, but I think when you take a step back from it and I should be clear, I, I'm not going to definitively say nobody was filming their huddle for reasons that I don't know, right? But there's certainly no evidence that anybody was. That seems to be where we're at now. I guess this is what I'm trying to say. I can understand in a heightened state and the Harbaugh stuff's all out there, and you're like, man, these college-age students are aiming phones in our huddle. What are they up to? But you know what they might have been up to? Nothing more than making a TikTok. Like they don't care about what you're saying in the huddle as much as they want to show their friends they're really close, really close to the Kansas State huddle. They're really close to the court. You know, it, it, I think it was just young people with phones. I, I made the joke on the Island College Basketball Podcast. I was uh, in Las Vegas for New Year's, and I took my wife and my oldest son and um, our, one of an exchange student who used to live with us who was in the country from Italy. And I took them all. I just, I just said, hey, let's all go to Vegas for New Year's, and we'll figure out what we're going to do when we get there. And when we got there, it was like, hey, Post Malone's playing at Fountain Blue tonight. Let's go see Post Malone. That sounds like something young people want to do. And if Post Malone comes out on stage – and uh, everybody's holding phones up at it. And I sort of made the joke on the Island College Basketball Podcast, what if they were trying to gain an advantage over Post Malone by filming him? It's like, or, or what if they were just filming because that's what young people do now. They just point their phones at everything all day long. Like my kids walk around the house all day long just pointing phones and iPads and stuff and taking pictures and, and videos. So I assume at this point that's what was happening. It was just young people with phones, and they're going to point them somewhere. And if there's a huddle right in front of them, that might be it. And then for TJ to come out so forcibly uh, after Saturday's win and say, hey, I just want to circle back to midweek, nothing happened. We didn't have anything to do with anything, and those allegations were rooted in nothing. Um, suggests to me that – and plus it just passed – it just like from a – this, if, even if that is something you do, let's, let's for the sake of a conversation say there is a college basketball program out there that's been filming other people's huddles from behind the bench. With this hardball stuff, you just cut it out now. You're like, oh, buddy, we ain't going to be the next to go down with this stuff. It just made no sense to me that they would actually be doing that. And hopefully, if there is something that needs to be patched up between Jerome and TJ, they could patch that up. Because those two men came up together, kind of. They were both longtime Big 12 assistants. And I, I, I know that they've had a certain level of respect and even admiration for each other. Over the years, and I, I, if that's been damaged in any way, I, I hope they're able to get that back. Um, or, or is it, you know, I mean, we don't seem to have too much stability with coaches. The old, I remember the old Big Eight days where Norm Stewart and, you know, we, we had all these different guys, uh, uh, or at Iowa State, and, you know, you got these rivalries. Could, could this be a fun way to start off a nice rivalry? 
You know, well, maybe like, listen, I'm all for a good rivalry. Like the whole Providence Georgetown thing was fun this past weekend, a good Louisville, Kentucky game, Kansas, Kansas state. Um, I'm all for rivalries. I'm, I'm less interested in men getting sideways with each other in a profession over something that appeared to have been nothing. Right. I think TJ was just bothered that, Hey man, if you want to talk to me about, Hey, we noticed something. I don't think you would do this, but it's just something we noticed. Could you like? Could you just talk? Think about like I don't know what to make of it, but I, man, it, it made me uncomfortable. I think there's a way to broach it without being accusatory, and I think TJ was bothered that it felt accusatory. I think TJ was bothered that in a season where his team is flourishing and headed to the top ten and maybe a Final Four, he was pretty publicly accused of cheating in a in a newspaper report middle of the week and I don't, I don't I don't think he liked that and honestly I I wouldn't like that either. Yeah, we're talking to Gary Parrish, our college basketball insider from CBS Sports, the uh, Eye on College Basketball podcast. He and Matt Norlander must listen if you are a big college basketball fan. Also, uh, college basketball. I always forget. I just know it's on. I just go to CBS Sports. College Basketball Insider, right? Uh, what's what's- uh- uh, inside college basketball. Inside college basketball. There, there it is. There we go. Uh, on CBS Sports, uh, you can catch That's Gary right. uh, there as well. Um, speaking of rivalries and pettiness, horns down. Are we? Are we really? I mean, like, I, honestly, I if you you need to make a coaching change right now, go back to the one which when when uh, what's he said? Well, you know that that's really a classless way to lose. Classless, or, yeah. You know, I'm like, come on. If you don't know that now, every stop. That's what everybody's going to do. Then you're not here, and and I, I never think it's going to work when they bump an interim up. Uh, so I, I don't think that's good business. But come on, like now you're setting yourself up. You're going to be leaving all these schools, but now you're setting so, yourself up. First time you hit Starkville, Mississippi. Oh. There it is, horns down. Oh. Like you are just blowing it up for the SEC. They, they can't wait to get in on it next year. This is like eight-year-old stuff. Like, once you tell me what bothers you, well, now I know exactly what to do to bother you. Like, there's this – I don't even know why on this subject this is what popped into my head. But, you know, on Instagram, you're just scrolling through and clips will pop up or wherever you are in social media. And there's this clip that I saw, you know, just the other day somehow, and it's Khloe Kardashian talking to Kim Kardashian – talking about Kim Kardashian. And they're like in a bit of a fight or – disagreement or something and she's like well just wait just wait till she's talking to somebody else and she's like just wait all i gotta do is tell her her ass is too fat and she's real like even though she like like that's her thing she's insecure about it on some level and her sister knew it and her sister was like if i want to get to her and really bother her i know that's where to go and what rodney terry and everybody else in texas has announced to the world is that if you want to really get to them, really get them upset, just horns down, horns down, horns down, and buddy, they can't take it. So you're right. That will be everywhere. And the uh, the best way to make it go away is to ignore it, not right. be bothered by it. Just let it go away. But the idea that we've turned this into almost like a racial slur or a, you know, or something like, yeah. hey, like, the, like it has been presented by the University of Texas as something I should sit down. I should, we should all sit down with our kids. And be like, hey, there's a few things you got to know. You cannot, you never say, there's this one word and no way we're touching that one ever. And there's this other word that maybe you could have said in the 80s, but buddy, you don't say that one anymore. And then also horns down, no horns down. Can't ever say it because that's that's classless and that is not the way we're going. It's just stupid. It, it could not be dumber. And uh, it, it, like, 
Horns Down will be bigger than it's ever been because they have shown yes. that they're so irrationally bothered by it. So they'll get what they get. Yes. Uh, K-State uh, gets Oklahoma. We talked about this stretch. They're coming off three in a row against ranked teams. Played so well against Iowa State. Uh, really, Iowa State grabbed control of it in the last like minute and a half. But really a, a slugfest between those two. But then got housed by Houston. How important is it to at least place well? Uh, against Oklahoma, could could uh, I mean we knew this was a tough stretch. We're not shocked that they've lost the first two, uh, but do they need to play well after the beatdown they took at the hands of Houston? Well, I think what we're learning, and I know last night was close, Houston and Texas. It went to overtime, but Houston's going to do that to a lot of people. They're 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 really good, and I thought Jerome's comments after the game, like he said, that might be the best defensive team I've ever seen because the guy who's been in the Big Twelve for two decades. And he was like, we just can't find shots. And if you watch that last night, man, they're just everywhere. And they're they're tough and they're old and they're big and there's they're not big like they got a seven foot two rim protector and all that, but they just buddy, you know when you walk on that court, you're in a fight. And even Kelvin last night was like we're never gonna be the prettiest team. We're not even trying to be. We're just trying to win the game. And you know, he does a lot of that. So I wouldn't get too caught up on what happened against Houston. But I do think it's very important to bounce back against Oklahoma because if you want to be an NCAA tournament team, here's the truth. You don't have to win at Houston. You don't even have to play close at Houston. But you do probably need to win your home games against the Oklahomas of the world. You know, right now at Ken Palm, Kansas State is projected to finish in the Big 12 8-10. and 10. The, And I, I still think 8-10 and 10 might be good enough to get them there. But – Nine and nine is like the magic number that we've identified. Like going, I think back to 2016, if you finish nine and nine in the Big 12, 500 in the Big 12, you're in the NCAA tournament without exception. It's a lengthy strength at this point. So that's the magic number that we've set. And now they will have to win, based on current projections, a game they're not supposed to win to get to nine and nine. And this Oklahoma one seems like a great spot. I don't haven't seen the point spread, but at Ken Palm, it projects it. Uh, Oklahoma 69, Kansas State 68. So Oklahoma would be a slight favorite, according to Ken Palm, in this game. Um, so if you can win it, it, it flips everything back. But Kansas State's story of this season is always going to be schedule-influenced. You know, how did they get off to a 4-1 start? It was schedule-influenced. Why have they lost the past two at Iowa State, at Houston? You ready for this? I think you could take literally any team in the country. Purdue, UConn. You put them at Iowa State and at Houston, they might lose both those games. So I'm not too excited about the four and one start. I'm not too bothered about the uh, two game losing skid because the four one start was about what you should have done against that schedule, and the two game losing skid is definitely what you should have done against these past two games. Now you got to start winning the games that are winnable, that are on the fence. Like there's always with a team like this, there's always going to be these games. Like all right, here's four games left on your schedule. And they're all like coin flip situations. Can you get three of the four? If you can, you're gonna get. You got to get some of those. And this one tonight is is a great opportunity. It's not must win or any of that stuff. It's still only January 30th, but it, it's it's a big game for for all the reasons we've referenced. We're talking to Gary Parish here, our college basketball insider. Time for our final four. It's brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System, an official healthcare provider of Kansas athletics, together with LMH Health. If you have an urgent orthopedic or sports injury, the University of Kansas Health System can see you quickly. Learn more at kansashealthsystem.com/sportsmedicine. Gary, I will start you with this uh what is the second best league in college basketball uh 
I tell you, in terms of just watching it, and maybe in terms of quality as well, I, I like the Big East. I mean, it's just fun games. You know, Marquette, UConn, Creighton, Rick Pitino. Um, you've got fun stuff uh, in that league. Uh, obviously, the Georgetown-Providence thing was a spectacle this weekend and carried over into the week. So I would go Big East. I think the Big East is the second-best league in the country. Okay, the Big 12 champ will be who? I think Houston. Okay. But – I'm not going to count out Kansas. Like, if you give me two guesses, I'll go Houston and Kansas. But if I've got to take one, you know, being smart, if you take history, set it aside. Right now, Houston is set up to be your Big 12 champ. Okay. Uh, favorite hotel in Vegas? The Cosmopolitan. Uh, like, when we went there this past for New Year's, that's where we stayed. I've stayed there a lot. I just think it's got everything you want. It's like the casino floor is beautiful. The restaurants are great. If you want, like an awesome steakhouse, it's there, but you just want, uh, uh, you know, Momofuku or a burger, like all that stuff's there as well. Uh, the, the, the big chandelier bar right in the middle, which is an awesome place to just sort of hang out and have a drink with, uh, your wife or anybody else you want to have a, a, a drink with. I really do think the Cosmopolitan is, and I've told my wife this, we could check in, never leave the property and have a great time. You don't even have to leave the child property to have a, a wonderful time. So that's that's always my go-to. Uh, by the way, did you say Momo? F- what did you say? Momo f- Momo Fuku. I think that's the way you pronounce it. It. I believe it started in New York, but they've got one in the. Uh, I believe on the third floor at the Cosmo. It's just a, a little. That, that's the thing about Las Vegas. Every famous restaurant in New York or L.A. So that's a famous restaurant. Like, I didn't know if it was a type of food or. Oh no 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 no! no it's a famous restaurant. Okay. Momo KU maybe, Momofuku, something like that. It's a famous New York-based restaurant, I believe, that has a, you know, a a, a location in Vegas, and okay. it is on the third floor in the Cosmopolitan. It's it great. sounds like something that uh, Mizzou students might chant at Kansas, M-O-M-O-F-U-K-U. <laughs> that might, uh, it, it, might, it might work perfect. Yeah, it might work there, too. Um, okay, all right, and finally, uh, we saw this with uh, uh, Kelsey, uh, tra- not uh, Travis, uh, his brother, uh, why am I drawing a blank on his brother's name? Jason. Jason. Jason, Jason. Kelsey. And uh, and you brought up Kelvin Sampson, which made me think of it because he did this famously after winning a game. Uh, last time you attended a game with no shirt. Oh, I barely take my shirt off like at home. <laughs> yeah, I, I I hate myself so much. Like I, the last thing I do before I even get in the shower is take my shirt off. Like I might even get in the shower and then throw my shirt out of the shower. <laughs> I hate myself so much. No, I'm the guy who shows up at the beach and like I have – Long sleeve swim shirts, like ten of them, every color, and I and so I'll show. It's 105 degrees. I'm in Mexico in a swim shirt at the pool, and people are like, "Oh God, who cares? You're not that disgusting." And everybody else is also disgusting. Take your shirt off, weirdo. And then rather than just admit that I hate myself, what I will say is, "Dude, I'm not going to die of UV rays." I'm trying to protect myself. So I, 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 I pass it off like I'm trying to be responsible. Like, hey, all you idiots are going to die of skin cancer. I'm trying to protect myself from UV rays. But honestly, I'm just embarrassed. I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> Deep dives with Gary Parrish. Uh, we love it every Tuesday. Gary, you're the man. Appreciate it. We'll talk next week. I'll see you. Bye-bye. We're almost done for the day, but there's just a few more things we'd like to share. But there's still more. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker of this whole thing. On the program.
But first, the Joe's Kansas City Barbecue Burnt End of the Hour answer. Two players share the record for receptions in a postseason game. The record is 15. Name either one. Oh, did Travis Kelsey do that? Didn't Mm-mm. he do one of them? No. Uh, Jerry Rice? Couple, never a bad couple guess. of running backs. Well, running backs, 15 carries. God, I don't even know. Uh, Marsh Falk. James White, not surprising. Okay, yeah, makes sense. And Darren Sproles. Ah. Then of the Chargers. Very nice, very nice. Uh, playing for some Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. Get you some Joe's tonight. Joe'sKC.com. Uh, you can order it, pick it up for yourself, you greedy little pig. Get you all the Joe's you want. Uh, or you can send it. Anywhere in the country, uh, joeskc.com, uh, family, friends, clients. Uh, if you're in sales and you're not sending Joe's Kansas City Barbecue, then I guess you don't have any clients that are very good. Get you some and then send them some Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. Uh, they're online at joeskc.com. 47th Emission, 119th and String Line, and 117th and Row. I'll leave you with this for the kicker. The University of Tennessee is under NCAA investigation, talking about their football team, for violations related to name, image, and likeness. The investigation puts the schools firmly in the crosshairs for potential sanctions as repeat violators. They are fresh off an NCAA ruling in the summer of 2023. Last summer, in which it was charged with 18 level one violations, they were fined a record $8 million. Over 200 total violations. 18 level ones. What do we have? Three? Four, five? Kansas yeah. level ones? Yeah. Yeah. Three. And you remember what a big stink that was Holy cow. around here? 18 level one violations. They get away with no postseason ban. And here they are back at it. You can pay the kids. How does this even happen? You just got to have the right people pay them. What is wrong with you, Tennessee? Literally, paying the players is now cool. We're down with it. Just don't write it out of, like, the university checking account. For God's sake, man.